0: 911, what's your emergency? I can't find Captain Nash and his wife's cruise ship. Tonight, 911 comes to ABC. And we're going to make it out of here. We got to work together. Tonight at 9 on ABC, followed by 7 News
1: at 11.
2: This is why you watch 7 News at 5. This breaking story is
1: happening as we speak to get breaking news from the alert desk. When I know about it, you'll know about it first. So you're always connected with what's happening now, only on 7 News at
0: 5. Me,
1: Boris, I'm who the Black Widow used to work for in the U.S. is already.
2: Hey. Sorry. It's okay, big guy. <laughs> Sun's getting real low, and I got red on my ledger. I'm not here in the business to make friends. I'm here to get the job done. I'm tough, cold, yet also approachable. I'm Scarlett Johansson. And I play the topic of this week's episode, <laughs> Black Widow. Hey, how you doing?
1: Hey, how's it going, man? That was a tough intro to do. At first, I thought you were literally going to say, which I kind of love, I'm not in the business to make friends. I'm in the friends to make business. <laughs> 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 I just like, I don't know why that makes me laugh, but it does. Uh, there's something going on there. But you know what? She did romance him. A whole lot, because they didn't know what to do with this character. They, Jake- oh, no,
2: no, hold in. They knew exactly what to do <laughs> with this character, and that was uh, have her get undressed and constantly putting on slinkier and slinkier <laughs> outfits to the point where they have to erase the nipples from all of the drawings in the 60s and 70s.
1: Black Widow, the film is coming out 2021, and this was one of those really interesting topics where at first you're just like, what's the history of this? Like, I had no idea getting into it. And I think really what we found along the way, besides, you know, friends and all that and everything that it was worth, but besides that, you know, a historical context and and a, a, the history of the female image in popular culture, as well as, you know, also the history of the fatale Russian spy in popular culture since the Cold War. But this character weirdly, slowly over time, became this bizarre representation of women in film, of uh, women in comics, kind of all coming together with the way Scarlett Johansson's character was portrayed since Iron Man 2 up to today. And even she acknowledges that she was just kind of like a skin-tight, costumed lady with them butt close-ups and really not much else in that first film, first couple of films that she starred in, and then slowly giving her depth. And then I love this, too. This is something we've found more recently – by the way, I may say Scarlet Witch in reference it's to Black be Widow. Tuff. It's going to be really tough because the actor who plays Black Widow's name is Scarlett Johansson. We just did a fucking episode on Scarlet Witch. I am just like so confused at all times what I'm talking about. But we are definitely doing an episode on Black Widow, not on Scarlet Witch. Uh, but all that said, you know, Black Widow is really just this fascinating uh, sort of it. it It becomes a mirror of society, uh, bizarrely. Oh, and uh, what I was saying, though, is that it's been interesting seeing how, you know, the comic writers now have to scramble to give depth and backstory and interesting historical context uh, for characters that were largely sort of, you know, thrown into comics in different capacities for specific reasons, but never given that kind of treatment because they're like, oh, shit. There's a billion-dollar movie theater franchise that relies on us creating interesting
2: stories now. I have read so many Black Widow comics. Uh, this, this, was, this is what my favorite thing to do is, yeah. is just uh, deep dive through the entirety of comic book history and like kind of shotgun blast 60, 70 years of history of plot development into, like a week's worth of research. I read the 1999 reboot, I read the 2001 reboot, I read the 2014 reboot, I read the 2004 reboot and almost every single one of them always has a character of like either a villain, a friend or Natasha Romanov herself go like, "So who are you really?" Because this character doesn't have an identity um or at least they desperately like were kind of struggling for one. Because Captain America is earnest and patriotic. Tony Stark is a sarcastic, uh, alcoholic uh, playboy. The Hulk is a brooding, Freudian, fuck-up scientist guy. Uh, Batman misses his mommy and daddy. Like, Black Widow was so thoroughly kind kind of almost accidentally woven into the fabric of the Marvel Universe after so many years... For various cultural reasons, uh, that it's kind of fascinating. What always gets me when I think of Black Widow, this is the moment I always think about, and that's in the original Avengers movie. Yes, with yes, the yes. famous circle shot where it's supposed to be our heroes united, triumphant, aligned against evil, and, and one of the most over clipped moments in movie history where they do the circle shot and Captain America lifts his shield and Thor twirls his magic hammer <laughs> and Hulk flexes his giant green muscles and Iron Man flies in his suit of high-tech armor and uh, Hawkeye takes out his fancy collapsible carbon fiber super bow and Black Widow Scarlett Johansson pulls out a Glock 26 <laughs> nine millimeter concealable handgun. <laughs> Which is the least fantastical thing in the <laughs> yeah.
1: entire world? It's a lady with a tiny
2: gun, yeah, 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 yeah. up like, there with these gods, gods among men, super <laughs> soldiers, uh, science fiction deities, and pew pew! I'm gonna shoot them. I'm gonna shoot them with with low caliber hand with I got eleven <laughs> shots. I built nine plus one in the chamber. I'm, I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna shoot them with a handgun. I'm going to use the same service uh, sidearm that New York City police officers carry. That's how I'm going to contribute to this fight. And the fact is, is what weird series of decisions and storylines and kind of uh, just just fascinations – Leads this character to that moment, and that's what like really got me on this path.
1: Yeah, and and as well as how the MCU's handled their female characters uh throughout has through and through has been crazy, absolutely crazy in a lot of ways, especially with Captain Marvel and the backlash because they put a little lady as the main character of a movie. Girls don't do that.
2: If we talk like. We're, okay, we're going to get feminist-y. I, I It's really hard not to talk about this because superhero comic books were, from their inception, an incredibly young male-dominated, creatively, audience-wise space. It was an entire art form built specifically on the fantasies and unconscious desires and sometimes extremely conscious uh, desires of young men who are often in our society alienated from the experiences of women, literally kept separate, literally the experiences of women demeaned. So like, it's always going to be clueless. It's always going to be off. And then having to take this very weird base male fantasy and try and assemble it into something that a global audience, at everybody can relate to is going to be an awkward process. And people are going to be like, this isn't, hey, hey, like the people that understand that like, my fantasies aren't the exact forefront and there are other fantasies now being catered to are gonna feel threatened by that in uh, very inarticulate kind of cringe ways. But another thing I've been thinking of is our Wonder Woman episode. Yeah. Because the creator of Wonder Woman was an actual like kind of Freudian psychologist who had this image of a strong dominant woman explicitly as a, Culturally transformative figure that would like elevate women, uh, curb male aggression, and like in his head, having this lasso lady on a Greek island full of only women who who lives in an idyllic society was literally going to counteract all war and crime in the world because of his positioning of this woman as a powerful heroic figure, whereas Black Widow's history really is just a mishmash of like horny teen writers and artists, uh, a lot of anti-communist spy fiction, and just the happenstance of history (laughs) kind of just collapsing in on this character. Mm -hmm. So, God, was that, did that make sense? Or was that just the caffeine firing off random neurons in my brain? Look, all I know is all you fucking men out there, Fuck yourselves, bros. I mean, yes, a lot. <laughs> Usually while looking at a scantily clad picture of a uh, comic book heroine in half undress in a skin-tight le- uh, leotard.
1: Yes, punch yourselves in the dicks right now, okay? Yeah, you like that? Yeah, I bet you like that. Yeah, do it again, you dirty boy. Yeah, do it again now. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> so, uh, what's happening, Jake? I
2: don't know, but we just got 800 more Patreon subscribers. <laughs> Go to patreon.com slash I'm starting an OnlyFans. It's just going to be me getting you to punch yourself in your dick in a weirdly horny manner. I
1: don't know why. But either way, let's get into it. Black Widow, the, the t- bizarre tale. Uh, I'll give uh, a, a synopsis here. A character published in Marvel Comics created by Stan Lee, of course scriptor Don Rico and artist Don Heck. She is a Russian spy and initially an antagonist to Iron Man, who eventually becomes a part of the fictional spy agency SHIELD and a member of the Avengers. Uh, she is played by Scarlett Johansson in the MCU and will have her own film released in theaters this year of Our Lord 2021. I think it's actually technically going to be, be out as of the time of this recording, but. Uh, or not as of the time of this recording, but as of the time of the release of this recording.
2: It's going to get released the same day. This episode drops. We don't know if the movie is any good. Uh, <laughs> Metacritic says it's fine.
1: And Scarlett Johansson was very excited because uh, they waited this long to make the movie so they could, quote, get into some real stuff. And I don't know what that means, but we'll we'll figure it out. There's a lot. It's so funny with any of these like big blockbusters, there's just so many throwaway quotes that are just like, sure... Like, we're just happy to be working with the top dogs of the team right now. And everybody's at the top height of their game. You're like, all right. It's like interviewing a basketball player after a a (laughs) successful game. Either way, uh, I wanted to start with a brief history of the Russian spy in popular American culture. Because I think there's some really interesting stuff here. And it really is a trope I, I forgot to... Or not forgot to think of it. It's really a trope I, I didn't think about a lot. And you're like, oh, right, yeah, the Russian spy that comes in. And I guess there was that hot lady the New York Post loved uh, about a decade ago.
2: Oh, who was also a redhead, oddly
1: enough. Yeah, yeah, was also a redhead and uh, had a similar deal, was a seductress.
2: I just want to lay out that it's uh, Black Widow is first introduced in uh, Tales of Suspense number 52, yes. uh, which is 1964. Tales of Suspense was another Marvel kind of... Uh, it was one of those anthology stories in the early years it was just big spooky monsters and like uh weird sci-fi mysteries and it immediately uh kind of became the iron man show once iron man was introduced iron man has always had this like uh kind of anti-communist uh uh i don't know how to say this uh framing you know he's a millionaire industrialist he was uh i he i believe his first the you know, he's, his origin story always has him behind enemy lines in an American conflict. At first, it was the Korean War. Then in the uh, 70s and 80s, it was the Vietnam War. Uh, when he got to the new millennium, it became Afghanistan and not quite Taliban that, like, trapped him. But uh, because of his role as this, this capitalist playboy, mm-hmm. his villains like Crimson Dynamo and uh, other characters... Really, just he had a a rogues gallery, which was the style at the time of communist, Chinese, Russian, Korean, uh, evil stereotype men, all after his technology. Yeah, American rivals, right? So, yeah, after World War II, a rivalry was
1: developed between the U.S. and the Soviet Union and their respective allies. Of course, I'm talking about the Cold War, which was coined, uh, a term coined by George Orwell, in an article published in 1945 stating there would be a nuclear stalemate between, quote, two or three monstrous superstates, each possessed of a weapon by which millions of people can be wiped out in a few seconds, end quote. A lot of fear-mongering at this time. A lot of, of, you know, they were doing the nuclear weapons drills and schools and things like that. Essentially, it was an arms race between Russia and the U.S. It amounted to a lot of hoarding of atomic weapons, a man on the moon, the Cuban missile crisis, among other things, until two superpowers signed the Nuclear Test Ban Treaty of 1963. That was one step in a direction of uh, peace. But uh, it still is a situation to this day. I mean, there's still a sort of... um, a lot of, uh, you know, us in Russia pumping our chest, doing, you know, weightlifting competitions or whatever. But they're juicing, and that's why they're not in the Olympics. So take that, Russia. Stop juicing, Russia, or get better at hiding it like we do. <laughs> Either way, during this time, there was a lot of espionage involving a smorgasbord of spies, double agents, and new tech, such as tapping telephone lines, all in the name of trying to get intel from the other side. Because of this, Around this time, there's a lot of cloak and dagger stories becoming popular again. For Britain, it was James Bond. He was the representation of their, of their uh, spy situation. Another trope emerging from that time is the sexy femme fatale spy. Actually, there are a few real people this trope is based on. Uh, the first of which, Mata Hari, an exotic dancer that spied for the French government by getting intimate with military officials and the like until British intelligence got a tip off and she was executed by firing squad in 1917. And this lady rules. She refused to wear a blindfold and faced her executioners without flinching when she got the bullets, which is badass, dude. Hell yeah, uh, Mata. Mata. Virginia Hall is an American agent that helped prisoners escape the Nazis in World War II. She once bit her own tongue in order to fake tuberculosis... Nancy Wake was from New Zealand and was known as the White Mouse to the Gestapo since she was so good at evading them. Becky Pack, codenamed Cynthia, also used her abilities in the bedroom to gain information that eventually helped crack the Enigma Code. Of course, this archetype made its way to popular culture and uh, the femme fatale, especially. And the Russian one, you know, I think one of the biggest examples, Boris and Natasha... Uh, Boris Badenov and Natasha Fatale—literally has Vital in her name—in uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle. We actually both uh, had this oh shit moment during the Sunday study session for this episode. Where we were like, "Wait a second, is Black Widow just Natasha?" <laughs> from and she does work for a Boris mm-hmm. in uh, the comics. So I mean, it, <laughs> I think they just took it for Rocky and Bullwinkle. But what else, Jake? Well, it
2: all kind of—it all kind of. Uh, so all these different cultural touchstones are all kind of. Uh, coming into popularity because it's the Cold War and it's one of the great anxieties. And pop culture will always promise to alleviate or address anxieties because that's how we escape from those anxieties. So all at once, all these things are happening. Um, We have characters like uh, Emma Peel in The Avengers, famously played by uh, Diana Rigg, who uh, was the sassy grandma in Game of Thrones uh, from the Tyrells. But back in the day, she was known for espionage and groovy spy shenanigans and wearing skin tight black uh, vinyl leather costumes, uh, which heavily influenced the look of Black Widow. Uh, In England, we had um, Ian Fleming's James Bond novels, uh, specifically from Russia with love, uh, which paints the Russian government and the KGB as this like perverted bureaucracy full of like degenerates. And the sexy, uh, beleaguered uh Tatiana Romanova, Romanova is uh the way that Russian names work, there's like um feminine feminine and diminutive, so like Romanov turns into Romanova and like Natasha becomes Natalia. Mm. It's all kind of I'm not a linguist, but it all kind of works. Um and the idea that like this beautiful woman is like is so uh, uh, trapped by the oppressiveness of Soviet culture that she is seduced by the freedom of the West mm. is a huge kind of deal. And it's uh, Black Widow's kind of dual loyalties and her attempts to break free of Soviet control defines a ton of her early um, adventures, especially in her villain phase. Um, uh, also famous in England is Modesty Blaze, another like swinging, sexy a spy who uses seduction and fashion and, again, skin-tight black leather costumes (laughs) to uh, take advantage of men and kick ass and, you know, get secrets and do this kind of thing. Uh, It should be noted, though, that uh, the 19th... And and Boris and Natasha also come up, and all of this is happening in the late 50s and early 60s. All of this feeds directly into Black Widow's introduction. But this version of Black Widow is... uh, kind of she looks just like a uh, Jackie O.
0: Yeah. She has
2: like these pale box hats. She's wearing these like fancy like modern 60s dresses and pantsuits. She's like this very distinguished European kind of they call her the countess. She she's kind of like a a murderous Jaja Gabor and you know she goes to fancy dinner parties and it's a lot less like slinking in the back alleys and like seducing men and like killing them in their beds and more just like, darling, you look marvelous. Right. I would love to see you at my chalet. Yes. And yes. like, and Tony start going, okay. Uh, hey, I got to go put on uh fancy cologne. Please don't touch any of my secret Technology while I'm gone, and she goes like, "Haha, I have Zidustin." Like it's very silly. Uh,
1: it, her creators were, uh, as I said, mentioned before, Don Rico and Don Heck. Even less of a creator story than usual. I feel like Spike Lee or Spike Lee. I feel like Stan Lee always has some fun story, but even this one, there wasn't really that that anecdote uh, up his sleeve. I will just say about Don Rico: grew up in Rochester, New York. Parents immigrated from Italy. At 16, he he's a bit of a jack of all trades. He worked as a wood engraver for quite a while. He was drawn to comics of the height of the golden age, gets a job at Fox Publications as a penciler and inker, but also started getting involved in the story side of things where he would uh, also find a great strength and he was uh, one of the writers uh, that created Black Widow. His first story for Timely Comics which will become Marvel eventually was an 8 page feature starring a hero called The Secret Stamp which led him to inking Captain America in 1942 and the next year he was writing and drawing stories for all sorts of characters. In the 50s he became an editor under. Stanley, and during that time, he co created the character Jan of the Jungle. But if you go and look at the comic book, you'll see that uh, the writer of the first story involving Black Widow was one in Korok in Korok. This was actually a pseudonym because by the time he got to the sixties, he was now trying to be uh he was he had a book publisher. He was writing more of, you know, highfalutin stuff, shall we say, and he didn't want his publisher to know that he was writing a comic book story because the publisher felt that that was like too lowbrow and uh, you know this that and the other so he had to go under this pseudonym and uh, so he actually did a couple of Iron Man plots for this time including the one that introduced Black Widow but he wasn't like this prolific writer by this time but just happened to pump out this one character that would way later catch fire in the MCU. So Mm -hmm.
2: oh no go into Don Heck I'm
1: sorry. Oh just Don Heck real quick. Don Heck grew up in Queens, New York. After art school he got a job at Harvey Comics which had him uh, converting newspaper strips into comic book form soon he broke off to work for a harvey employee starting his own comics line where he was penciling and inking war comics with names like hitler's head (coughs) which i would i wish i had a copy of it sounds interesting eventually got to meet stan lee at marvel saw his stuff and got him to work on things like a five-page horror story called werewolf beware i love these names hitler's head he's got a head on him and it's hitler uh, this was in the mid-50s, uh, then when it was Atlas Comics. When the Silver Age came around, Heck was there working with folks like Lee and Kirby, and he had a hand in the development of Iron Man, actually. Kirby designed the armor. Heck is the one, though, that designed Tony Stark himself uh, outside of the suit, as well as the secretary, Pepper Potts. During this time, Heck co-created several characters in the Iron Man comics, such as Hawkeye, the Mandarin, and, of course, Black Widow. Back to you, Jake.
2: So um, so <laughs> Black Widow kind of just introduces herself as part of Iron Man's rogues gallery. She comes back every now and then to do some shenanigans. Uh, she's actually integral in Hawkeye's origin story because Hawkeye uh, is uh, started also as an Iron Man villain. And it's uh, Natasha Romanoff, the Black Widow, still in her like mink fur and like classy uh, kind of non costumed form, who... Uh, stops Hawkeye, who was uh a a fugitive of the law. She pulls up in a fancy car and is like, Ah, yes, like my darling, why don't have you ever considered killing Iron Man? Blah blah <laughs> boom. You
1: know, I never thought of that.
2: And Hawkeye's like, Yeah, I should probably try and shoot Tony Stark with uh, dumb arrows. That's a really good idea.
1: And she was like, Now punch yourself in the dig. <laughs> Do it. Do you like it? <laughs> Do it again. I should start an OnlyFans. <laughs> What's that? I don't even know. It's the sixties. And they just start dancing in the street. I'm sorry, I derailed.
2: Eventually, uh, she kind of overcomes her uh, uh, loyalties and uh, falls in love with Hawkeye and wants to help America because of Hawkeye. Uh, Hawkeye then joins the Avengers, which uh, we covered uh, briefly in one of the many superhero adventures that we've covered. Um, She gains a very dumb outfit, which is kind of this like, playboy whatever you call the uh bustier with a uh, big letter b covering a cape and she has just fishnets all over herself and she's wearing a domino mask uh she was re-brainwashed by the communist chinese under the nefarious uh colonel ling because <laughs> of course uh and she like kind of causes shenanigans with them a couple of times She then teams up with the Swordsman, another villain and Power Man. And every time she's like, but I love Hawkeye and like kind of gets over that. Um, It's not until she's given her own uh, kind of side headlining gig in Amazing Adventures, which I think is 1970. In 1970, she co-headlines the Amazing Adventures title, which is shared with the Inhumans, uh, Black Bolt, Medusa, whatever. And there, uh, legendary Marvel artist John Ramita, uh father of John Ramita Jr, updates her outfit, uh gives her the slinky black out, uh, you know, slinky black whatever, uh changes her whole modus operandi, gives her her famous um black widow stinger bracelets which uh at any given time shoot tranquilizers or electric bolts or whatever, and she also gets the widow's web which is like a little steel cable that she can swing and hang from. And um In this era, she's kind of a street-level hero, where, like, by day, she's this uh, old-money, European uh, kind of uh, uh, dilettante who lives in a fancy penthouse on the Upper East Side and has her driver, Ivan, who's, like, her Guy Friday. Um, Her classic catchphrase is, eyes front, Ivan, because she always has to change into her slinky costume while she's uh, on her way to adventure. And... Kind of like with uh, Falcon, not knowing what else to do with this character, she becomes a street level hero where she's like dealing with uh, issues in the New York City streets, like uh, evil land developers and organized crime and uh, just just kind of just kind of doing just very day New York City under night stories. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh, yeah, that's me.
1: Yeah, writer Lee Daniels said of the character during this time, her left-wing upbringing was put to better use and she has lately taken to fighting realistic oppressor of the people types. She helps young Puerto Ricans clean up police corruption and saves young hippies from organized crime. He said it, quote, reflects the recent trend towards involving fantastic characters in contemporary social problems. And I think this is also the time we're seeing like Spider-Man get involved in like Mm -hmm. civil rights stories and things of that nature. Marvel really addressing that stuff during this time.
2: Stanley had thoughts about the vietnam war and spider-man was going <laughs> to tell you them and it's also super key that in literally literally every single one of these adventures yeah she gets naked yeah it is hilarious
1: and from the very beginning you mentioned hawkeye how she's just like everybody's girlfriend at some point well you know what i mean
2: she's iron man's girlfriend she's hawkeye's girlfriend um She, uh, I guess this is a lot of storytelling condensing, but, uh, she becomes Hercules girlfriend at a certain (laughs) point with, uh, one of those lesser known superhero teams in my notes. I can't find it. Look,
1: I got to throw this out here, by the way. I think this is the best time to say it. Um, in, uh, er early two thousands, I, uh, dated black widow. Um, she was really great. She, uh, was really sweet until she'd get angry and then she'd start just making me like really just like. She would make me like put on brass knuckles and just punch myself in my dick. And I don't know what that was. She said, "I this is helping you. This is good for you." But I had to break it off eventually between that and just like constantly having Magneto show up and like fuck my bullshit up was like really pissing me off. So.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I got I got the artist wrong. It was John Romita in uh who unle- unleashed the new uh costume in Amazing Spider-Man number 86. And then it, uh, it was John Buscema who did the Amazing Adventure stories uh, that had her get naked all the time. <laughs> there is, uh, what what was it? There's a Gene Colin drawn story. And we talked about Gene Colin as one of the most uh, highly accomplished and like realistic artists of uh, the early Marvel era, who drew. Th- I found the original artwork and like, Dear God, they were horny for this character. Like, <laughs> it was in the epic Black Widow kind of reprint, and they literally showed the, like, original uncolored inked pages, and there were just nipples everywhere. Mm. Like, Gene Colin just <laughs> went for it in these stories. And in his pants, yeah. At some point in the uh, ensuing adventures tales, uh, it's revealed that Black Widow actually had a husband, uh, Alexei Shostakov, who was a uh, test pilot for the Cosmonaut program, who then got turned into uh, Russia's Captain America. Um, in his first appearance, he didn't have a shield. He threw his belt buckle at people. It was It's very cringe, <laughs> mm-hmm. very cringe. He just is like, my magnetic belt buckle will make short work of you. Uh, and she thought he was dead and it was mourning him. That made her susceptible to joining the Russian spy operation in his honor, thus making her a widow, a black widow. Mm. That's a detail that uh, plays into her backstory. Um, but throughout the 70s, she's super horny, super violent. And uh, I think one of the things that's going on is that uh, we're in the era of the Comics Code Authority. Mm. And in the Comics Code Authority, there were huge restrictions on the kind of stories you could tell, you know, uh, drug use, crime, sex, uh, murder. All these things had to be very coded within a moral system so that if a character does something wrong, it has to be shown that they're a bad guy and they have to face consequences. And I think it's Black Widow's origination as a villain that allows her to be such a sexual character throughout the 70s. Ah. That because bad guys are allowed to be evil, even though she's a reformed bad guy, for some reason the psychic filters on the creators at the time were like, well, Black Widow is like she's a bad guy. She can be sexy. So we're gonna make her sexy. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of uh th- like I think that's a piece of the puzzle when you're trying to like. Paint the picture. Wow, that's a lot of analogy. <laughs> I think the fact that she's uh, the fact that there was this moral code in place, and that she started as a villain, fa- facilitated her uh, identity as this hypersexualized character in all these early comics.
1: Right, right, and yeah, it just seemed to kind of work out. It, it, but but also they're just they're trying to figure out new inroads with her, and you know when she yeah start, she starts the champions in, of L A which is like a weird one with Ghost Rider Hercules, um, who you mentioned she bangs, and X-Men's Angel and Iceman. You know, they have her with Daredevil, but she's always like somebody's side piece, even when she's the leader of her organization. <laughs> she's she's like with Hercules or
2: whatever, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, if you want to see how horny artists were for Black Widow, I finally sorted through my notes. Uh, look up Amazing Adventures number five, a Christmas issue, where written by Roy the Boy Thomas and drawn by Gene Cohen, She a full page shower scene. It's pornographic. (laughs) It's I can't believe they got away with this stuff in 1970.
1: Oh wow, that was Um, 1970. The next
2: big step in her character biography and kind of what defines her throughout the 70s and 80s is her relationship with Daredevil.
1: Yes, which because Daredevil is
2: another street level hero, also operating in New York. And uh, I think Daredevil's love life is one of the strongest things about the character. It really kind of sets him apart. Uh, Karen Page, so many other characters, you know, it's uh, balancing his personal life, uh, managing uh, Electra, uh, like so many women in Daredevil's life send him for a loop because he's more relatable. He has this weird power set and he doesn't have as many supernatural powers as uh, another kind of superhero would. And joint. Uh, so at a certain point after, I think, issue 81, Oh no, she returns in issue 81 and by issue 92 the comic is retitled to Daredevil and Black Widow cuz she is constantly there kind of the uh Catwoman. Yeah. Uh you know, you know Daredevil is torn between two worlds. Daredevil loves like adventuring and beating guys up and Black Widow is there for that part of his life, but uh the human side of him wants to be with uh, a normal lady who volunteers at the orphan shelter. <laughs> like it's weird how Black Widow during this era kind of goes from like cheesecake to like finicky woman who doesn't know what she wants to like bad girl to uh, just wants to be loved. Always talking about how like, oh, but my Black Widow's curse. Every man I've loved is like doomed to die or whatever. Mm. Like, oh, can I let myself love this this handsome lawyer slash billy club fighter? <laughs> um At a certain point, Jerry Conway receives enough uh, feedback from uh, female readers that Black Widow is not being handled well that she's like, I'm not your second banana. You got to choose me. I'm my own woman. And has uh, several women uh, on page go, there she is, the glorious Steinem of the jumpsuit set. Not just Daredevil's sidekick anymore, a true icon. (laughs)
1: Uh, so, yeah, now we get into the modern age,
2: and she eventually becomes co-leader of the- Well, uh, okay, the last big thing that happens is uh, uh, Frank Miller. Right. The uh, enfant the Terrible of 80s comics right? completely rehashes Black Widow's character. And this is the gray suit era, where she gets that high disco collar, the skin-tight gray costume, and that, like, Grace Jones kind of bu- Ivan Drago buzz cut. Mm-hmm. And this version of the character is kind of the first time we see her as, like, a soldier. Yeah. Like, like read on, this is like the first, you know, Frank Miller in all of his, like, weird edgelord shenanigans is like, no, 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 the hottest woman is a woman who can kick my scrawny ass and talks about how she's choked men out for less and- She'll step on me and has like a mullet. That's what a real lady is. There you go. He he, he
1: foresaw the modern age with uh, Lady Dimitrescu. (laughs) Now everybody wants the lady to step on them. It's fantastic.
2: Uh, And this era of Black Widow gives way to a lot of team ups with The Punisher, with Nick Fury. There's a lot of like grittier graphic novels that kind of, it kind of encapsulates Black Widow, not as a swinging spy, like cute throwback, but like fucking wet works fucking black ops fucking delta unit like heavy shit
1: which is funny cuz we kind of see this happen all over again in the marvel cinematic universe mm-hmm. And and so and so this is, by the way, when we start to, the, the intersection starts to happen during the modern age, right? Black Widow eventually becomes a co-leader of the Avengers in the 90s. By 1999, she got her own three-issue run, followed by a few more in the early 2000s. I mean, this is the first time, she's a character who's been around since the mid-60s, early 60s, actually. And this is the first time she's getting her own comic books. And I think it's very telling as as she's getting into the the marvel films uh her of course her film debut would be iron man 2 in the early 2000s so the comic books are now happening kind of alongside this thing they're building in in the film world uh during this period there was a a whole plot line that involved a second black widow working for russia and natasha if i got this right doing a straight up face off style face swap uh (laughs) with with her, her this character but this character's name is Yelena Belova. Okay. And that's she's like a second Black Widow. I'm bringing up this name because this name will come into play for the first film as well.
2: Yelena this is where we kind of introduce the idea of the Red Room and they kind of flesh out her backstory more and the idea of uh Black Widow being a title.
1: And also this is literally what I was saying before when I was like, they kind of obviously scrambled to create way more backstory depth for the character at this point. They know they need to do that, so they're like, okay, she's one of 27 girls trained in a facility called the Red Room to become killing machines. They have implants put in them so the government could control them while also being chemically enhanced and brainwashed. Oh, and by the way, they shoehorned another romance during this time between her and the Winter Soldier, whom she trained under for a time in these years. So even when she's getting her own (laughs) miniseries and things like that, she still has to be banging some dude on the side. The brainwashing is what allowed them to retcon a bunch of stuff, by the way, like her being a ballerina, which was a false memory implanted in her by the Russian government when they were trying to make her this super soldier. Uh, And this is all in a miniseries called Black Widow Deadly Origin, which came out just ahead of the release of Iron Man 2. And it seems to be like most of the seeds that will be... You know, plot lines in the film are planted with that series.
2: That series is kind of crazy. It involves the idea that she's been poisoned with nanites and has to like confront her past, and that means meeting all of her old ex lovers, like Hawkeye and Iron Man and Hercules and all that.
1: Nanites are the worst. I had a case of nanites the other day. I had to drink uh, fourteen Coca Colas just to get it to go away. Yeah, it burns
2: away all nano machines. That's why Americans <laughs> are so healthy and strong and impervious <laughs> to attack.
1: I just i. And now I get to move around in a scooter, in a motorized scooter, which is I love it. It's anywhere you got to go.
2: I mean, you're, that's why we call you the Rascal in a Rascal. That's why we <laughs> everybody knows your fun nickname. Um, the big twist in that one, because it was so dumb that, like, I want to spoil this for people, was that Ivan, her sidekick driver guy, eyes front Ivan from the seventies was now a cybernetic omega level terrorist because he was in love with her all along and it was like sad that she kept having sex with literally everyone else except him. <laughs> and he threatens to nuke the entire world and then she kisses him and infects him with super extra secret double cross <laughs> deadly nanites and he dies.
1: So that's how we get rid of the incels. We just get pretty ladies to put poison on their mouths and kiss them. And then it'll be
2: over. I mean, I've been on some subreddits where that has been—that's uh, <laughs> their solution. That's what they want. Uh,
1: the final solution, yes, <sighs> for the incels.
2: The internet has poisoned so much. <laughs>
1: um, do you want? Do you have anything more on the comic book runs before we now enter the the actual history of the character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Jay?
2: Hmm. I guess uh, just that you know she is always kind of this sexy character always is uh, uses seduction as part of her like arsenal and it kind of she's less defined by like specific character traits and more like various uh, things that she represents. She represents sexuality. She represents the danger of like a woman lying to you, the danger of um, of uh, tr- of letting yourself trust someone for physical reasons. Um, the kind of whenever you want spy shit, whenever you want like espionage or a James Bond motif or international relations, like you bring in Black Widow. She's, she's kind of a storytelling tool yeah. to bring in other themes more so than her own character with her own kind of adventure style at this point. Yes,
1: 100%. So back all the way back in 2004, Lionsgate had initially acquired the rights for Black Widow And had a movie in the works. David Hayter was set to direct. And he loves this character. He literally... I feel so bad for this guy. uh, Because he doesn't end up getting to make this movie. And he, like, named his daughter Natasha. Like, he fucking loves this character. And all he wanted was to make this fucking movie. And he never got to. He co-wrote X2, among other things. So... I mean, fantastic writer by that, right? Wait,
2: is Dave, David Hater's the guy who played, uh, he's the voice of Solid Snake,
1: right? Uh, I think I think so, yeah, yeah. I think he might be, which makes sense, right? He loves that spy shit, right? <laughs> However, other female vigilante protagonist films that came out around that time failed to move the needle, so Marvel got scared and withdrew their offer to Hayter, stating, we don't think it's time to do this movie. And actually, specifically, it was uh, the bad performance of Eon Flux, It was an interesting time because Kill Bill also kind of came out around this time and was like, great. You know, Tomb Raider was a success as well, um, at least in the box office. But then there was like Eon Flux, Blood Rain. And I think there was one other movie he mentioned in like interviews that just kind of were total flops. And so they got scared and withdrew the the production.
2: So there is an inherent like weirdness to the Black Widow archetype. Um, It's kind of this. Uh, it's, uh, essayist Susan J. Douglas writes, uh, the warrior women in thongs insisted that females could and should combine force and aggression with femininity and sexual display. On one hand, this is welcome given how often our culture emphasizes female sexuality as dangerous and shameful. But on the other hand, it reaffirms sexual objectification of women and girls, mm. suggesting that women can be strong as any man, as long as they must be poreless Stacked and a size two. Yeah, the action he- hero of this time is powerful, but the exaggerated sexiness is problematic. Uh, Douglas writes, "No matter how strong we got, it was more important to be slim and beautiful, and to know to deploy femininity as a weapon." So, like, if you like, it's you're you're not going to be a crossover. Like, it's it's the the promise of like, hey, girls, now you can be a tough, cool person. Doesn't work if like the imposition of beauty is still part of it because if men want to escape like feeling weak and powerless... Women would also like to escape the things imposed on them. Yeah. And it just doesn't quite click. Yeah, it's a bizarre. Can you talk about punching dicks more? I feel like I've been way too serious this episode. Yeah, so it was also
1: one of the things that Black Widow didn't have was a catchphrase. And due to the popularity of Dracula through these <laughs> decades and his catchphrase, I want to suck your blood, they said, hey, why don't we put our spin on it? I want to punch your dick. <laughs> oh,
2: thank God, And that's Holden. how her thank catchphrase God. You is you brought created. it in. Yeah, yeah. You brought it no in. No problem.
1: I got you, bud. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I bet you like that listener at home right now. Are you in the office right now? You bet you feel like a dirty boy right now, punching yourself in your dick right now. Isn't that fun? Isn't that stupid?
2: And if you're playing this podcast in the car with your significant other next to you, <laughs> I apologize. I Most sorry. of the episodes aren't like this.
1: Say, In fact, if you're doing that right now, say something that you love about each other. Because the world's a beautiful
2: place. Yeah, hold on. Give him a second. Give him a second. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: So,
1: cut to 2009, in a world in which Iron Man came out and established what the whole MCU thing was going to become. They finally got like a little bit of train track down on like this becoming this massive, incredible franchise. Obviously, it started small. Iron Man was uh, essentially a—he a, a, always said it was a indie movie that he, w- but made as a blockbuster essentially. And that kind of set it all off. Right. So they uh, are actually in talks with Emily Blunt to play Black Widow for the sequel to Iron Man. However, she was overcommitted and couldn't do it. So then Scarlett Johansson signs on with an option for multiple films. Let's talk about her. We got to. She is Black Widow at this point. I can't you can't really picture Black Widow without it being Scarlett Johansson. She was born in Manhattan in 1984. Her father an architect, her mother a producer. She loved to do musical theater. She took tap dance lessons as a kid. She would practice acting by staring in the mirror until she made herself cry. She studied at the Lee Strasberg Theater Institute, starting off in commercials, then off-Broadway. Her first off-Broadway play was with Ethan Hawke, she had two lines, but still. I'm talking about a girl, by the way, at this point, who's doing all these things. At the age of nine, she made her film debut as John Ritter's daughter in the film North. <laughs> this is in 1994. But it was actually the Horse Whisperer in 1998, acting across from Robert Redford, that really put her in the, on the map as, Redford described her as, quote, 13 going on 30. And I think that really helps her... Even in this uh, Black Widow character, where she does have Scarlett Johansson does have this ability to, to be so young and so beautiful, and, and uh, on on the you know surface, but she's got like a, a she even at her age now, she seems older and wiser than she 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 comes across older wiser than her actual age. Her breakthrough in film was starring in the film, at least as she was growing older, in the film Ghost World in two thousand one. Fantastic. We should do a Daniel Close episode. We at some should. Point. I. Big fan Uh, comic book author. Uh, After that, she transitioned into adult film roles easily with stuff like Lost in Translation, which I fucking love. Vicky Cristina Barcelona, say what you will about the director. I absolutely love that movie. To get the role of Black Widow, Johansson dyed her hair red to convince Jon Favreau to cast her, which led to stunt and strength training to get ready for the role. By the way, Jon Favreau said that thing about the uh, indie movie being made as a blockbuster. He's the one who directed, obviously, the first Iron Man and Iron Man 2. Uh, On why she wanted the role, she said, the Black Widow character resonated with me. She is a superhero, but she's also human. She's small, but she's strong. She is dark and has faced death so many times that she has a deep perspective on the value of life. It's hard not to admire her her, especially when she convinces a bunch of dumbass dudes to punch their stupid dicks in front of their loved ones in a car while saying something nice about each other in the relationship. I, I don't understand that why that quote had to go there, but it did. The uh, Of course, we as theater goers watch the character go from overtly sexualized in the skin-tight suit and close-ups on the buttocks and the breasts.
2: I mean, people forget that one of her first like moments on screen is just... Uh Pepper Potts giving Tony the side eye when he sees when she sees that like this hottie is his new assistant. Yeah. And Tony brings up a picture of kind of weirdly photoshopped of her in lingerie being like, she modeled in Tokyo. Did you model in Tokyo? Like, and, you know, all she and she's really just kind of like this shield agent who's just like watching Tony and does the very 2010 thing where she. Uh, beats up a bunch of dudes by doing MMA moves with extra flips for no reason. (laughs) Whoa, 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 a woman can't just beat up a guy. That's not believable. Oh, she did some extra flips, then, then did an MMA move. Okay, okay, I buy it. She's got skills.
1: Johansson said, you look back at Iron Man 2, and while it was really fun and had a lot of great moments in it, the character is so sexualized, you know? really talked about like she's a piece of something, like a possession or a thing or whatever, like a piece of ass, really. And Tony even refers to her as something like that at one point. What does he say? I want some. Yeah, and at, w- at one point calls her a piece of meat, and maybe at that time, that actually felt like a compliment. You know what I mean? Because my thinking was different. Maybe I would even would have, you know, my own self-worth was probably measured against that type of comment, or like a lot of young women, you come into your own and your understanding of your own self-worth. So the a lot of the evolution uh, comes from the character being played by this one actress Throughout her career and her aging, having kids, you know, becoming wiser, becoming more aware of, you know, gross sexist bullshit in the industry. Johansson said, It definitely has changed, and I think part of that change has probably... It's hard because I'm inside it, but probably a lot of that is actually from me, too. I'll be 35 years old, and I'm a mom, and my life is different. Obviously, 10 years have passed, and things have happened, and I have a much different, more evolved understanding of myself. As a woman, I'm in a different place in my life, you know? And I felt more forgiving of myself as a woman, and not sometimes probably not enough I'm more accepting of myself I think. And I think it's fair for her to say that how much of an effect she as a person has had on this character because she's also very heavily involved especially in this new movie coming out in the development of the film and the and the development of the character, you know, she vetted the director. She is the one who, you know, has been there working with everybody to make sure this is something she's proud wants to be proud of and going out, you know, obviously I've spoiler alerts for fucking Endgame. But we're gonna start saying it right now, so turn it off if you literally li- are ridiculous and haven't seen Endgame yet or care, but haven't seen it yet, like a weird psycho. Get <laughs> Disney Plus. What's wrong with you? Anyways, turn it off if you want, if you don't want spoilers. Uh, but keep it on if you want some. Keep having this great dick punch uh, action. Uh, so she dies in Endgame. I know, crazy, right? Okay,
2: wait, 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 wait. Okay, I, I just need to go off on this. <laughs> if we're if we're jumping all the way to Endgame. Ah, uh, yeah. So. The character of Black Widow, as played by Scarlett Johansson, is at once a breath of fresh air and a huge source of frustration for female fans. Um, She kind of gets more fleshed out in 2012's Avengers, famously uh, co-written by Joss Whedon. And she becomes this kind of like Joss Whedon uber chick who like uh, will like feign weakness, but then get the upper hand, you know, the famous scene where she's tied up gets the phone call from Coulson and was like, yeah, I'm interrogating this guy. you like, he was about to give up everything. Like, what are you doing? You know, uh, the scene with Loki where like the, the big twist is like, oh, you think this is just a vulnerable lady, but she's in control the whole time. And she's got red on her ledger. Uh-huh. But then by the time we get to, uh, Captain America, the winter soldier, she's like now the mom friend uh-huh. for everybody. And she's like, uh, you know, kind of playing off the earnestness of, uh, Chris Evans, Captain America, and she represents this more cynical worldview, but she still is like taking care of people and looking after people. Uh, Then in Age of Ultron, Whedon's now historical, (laughs) like, what the fuck moment. Yeah, yeah, it uh, gets so weird. She's like in love with, she has this weird relationship with the Hulk where she has to deliver that weird poem to calm him down. Uh, She has that really weird monologue where it's like, you think you're a monster? Well, and the, you know, back in Russia... They sterilized me so I can't have babies. I guess we're both freaks. And that like <laughs> raised a million alarm bells. And then Korn's
1: freak on a leash played, <laughs> which just felt very out of place for a film in the MCU. Even
2: though she was a part of the Avengers and was in like, uh, you know, on all the people started like cataloging all the merchandising where they just cut her from the uh, group you know, uh, there wouldn't be action figures of her on, like, birthday party paper plates. Like, the whole team would be there except her. It was almost a meme about how, like, she's supposed to be this feminist icon, but she's also kind of trapped because she's the only girl, because she has, and women have to embody all these separate roles while uh, the male characters get to be all their own unique thing. And so it's this confounding, uh, I talked to my beautiful fiance Marie about this and about, like, you know, what does it mean to like have the Black Widow represent all this stuff? And she was like, "Okay, if you sat down at a fancy restaurant and you had a whole menu in front of you, but then they said, oh, no, no, because you're a woman, you only get pancakes. It doesn't matter how good the pancakes are. You still resent the fact that all you get to eat is pancakes.
1: (laughs) Also, I just want to throw it out there. Um, She sort of is a Hulk whisperer. Yeah. Uh,
2: (laughs) Sun's getting real
1: low, big guy. (laughs) part all comes back around for Scarlet uh, from horses to hulks. She definitely does it. Yeah, it is. And then she fucking dies, bro. If you want to put some acid in your tea right now, I'll tell you that much. She sacrifices herself for the greater good.
2: Not even the greater good. She just sacrifices herself because Hawkeye has a family, I guess. Yeah. And she's like, well, if there's going to be a sad baby, my life is, w-. and her character in, um, Infinity War and Endgame, she like says that she doesn't have anything else to live for, that like the Avengers were her family. And she's just kind of, she's making sandwiches and it's just kind of sad.
1: I liked it at least, you know, she, I like this one quote from her. I don't have it verbatim, but she at least did say like, in the beginning, her power was her sexuality. And in, by the end, Her power ended up being her vulnerability and her, you know, and and it's a little, it's a bit of a pull. No, her power
2: was the cool uh, Filipino Kali stick fighting sticks that glowed (laughs) blue for no reason. Those things are cool. Why did she have Kali sticks?
1: But you know, that she would be, that that her love would save the day because she sacrificed herself. Whatever, dude. I'm just saying she said it in a fucking interview where they had the picture of the movie behind her or whatever. (laughs) I'm sure she had to do like. 20 of them, and she was just like, you know, a really interesting thing, I haven't told every single other person who's walked to this room, that I'm only telling you, not true at all, I've told them all this. Her power ends up being her vulnerability.
2: Thank you, (laughs) bleedingcoolnews.org.
1: Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Chet's Movie (laughs) Wrecks.biz. Why is it .biz, dude? That's weird. Uh, But uh, anyway... She, uh, this, you know, this allows her to walk away from the franchise with a strong legacy, but of course, first she has this titular film to star in, uh, 2021's Black Widow. Again, it's out, actually, I I forget, uh, at the dropping of this episode, and, uh, you know, I think the trail. I think what works really well for this movie, to be honest, is that people are just dying to get back to the movie theater after, um, uh, pun intended, (laughs) after COVID, uh, pandemic and everything, I think that might help her a lot, uh, that with this film, I will say, I think we both agreed like, oh, the trailer for this movie kind of felt like nothing was new was going to happen, which is so funny because they always are like, this one's different. This one's got a
2: whole different deal than all the other Marvel movies. There's a lot of things happening. There's Marvel fatigue. Yeah. That's kind of like uh, the thing where uh, WandaVision did Gangbusters, yeah. but uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon kind of, like, lost a lot of people. Mm. Um, There's the fact that superhero origin movies have been done to death.
1: Well, at least, and that's why they're always trying to say this is a prequel, not an origin story. They're, like, constantly trying to drill that home. I
2: mean, I'm going to watch the fuck out of this because Rachel Wise is in it, and she was my number one mummy crush back (laughs) in the day.
1: (laughs) And, you know, and and it is true. This this story takes place after the events of Civil War. It has the character kind of striking out on her own, which is a good time to do... Uh, time period to have the solo film take place. Uh, and yeah, they, the, uh, they really got serious about this being an actual movie. And I think this surprised a lot of people that they made a, a solo Black Widow film. Uh, I've, this actually really began to become a, a realistic enterprise back when they were shooting Infinity War. They, so they knew at that point that the character was going to get taken out in Endgame when they were developing this film. Johansson said, the movie would have been so different if we made it 10 years ago. It was a different time. I think we can all agree on that. A lot of people ask me why we didn't do it before now, but in some ways, I'm sure there's a lot of reasons for that. In some ways, I'm actually very thankful that it's happening now because we can actually make a movie that's about real stuff and audiences want that. I think they always wanted that. Now the studio's kind of caught up to that. Kate Shortland was hired to direct as part of an initiative by Marvel to meet and hire more female directors. I thought this was really cool. And again, really speaks towards the sign of the times compared to 10 years ago when it was just all dudes making these movies that involved the sexy lady in the skin tight suit. No, instead they, they met and interviewed 65 direct, female directors. They, I think that they're trying to also, you know, they, they were also doing that for other films as well. But uh, Johansson found her director through this process, really liked uh, Kate Shortland's uh, 2012 film Lore, which sounds really interesting, about the migration of five German siblings in post-World War II Germany, and they get led by like a Holocaust survivor uh, to uh, try to meet up with their grandmother. Jack Schaefer wrote the first version of the script. We actually talked about her. Again, another female um, creative in this process, which is great. Uh, she did fucking WandaVision, showrunner. We talked about her during the Scarlet Witch episode a decent amount Uh, she killed it with that show showrunner wrote a couple of the episodes Ned benson was then hired to give it a rewrite Uh, he had critical success with his directorial debut starring jessica chastain titled the disappearance of eleanor rigby i will say that movie sounds really interesting it's actually three films uh the first two films are from different characters perspectives the third film is an edit where they brought the two perspectives together it sounds really interesting did very well in the indie circuit Florence Pugh was signed on to play, Natasha's team-up partner for this film, Yelena Belova. And a lot of discourse initially was about how, I think the first version of the script was like her fighting against Yelena. And I think Scarlett Johansson stepped in, in a lot of ways and was like, I don't want to make this a movie about like two women trying to bring each other down for an hour and a half or two hours or whatever. Let's like figure out something different with this. And so actually, even if they're at odds in the beginning, I believe they team up. And I'm pretty sure it's the kind of the same thing as Falcon and Winter Soldier, where like she's going to get the torch passed on to her as the next Black Widow. Right. Makes and sense. That, that's obviously what's going to happen. Right. And so, uh, yeah, Florence Pugh, probably going to be our new Black Widow in the uh, Marvel films moving forward after this. And of course, uh, coming out July 9th. 2021, you can watch it on Disney Plus with premier access.
2: I don't know. And then there's, what's the deal with the Skull, skull Skullamania? What's the deal with that guy? How dare you disrespect Taskmaster like this? (laughs) This is Taskmaster's main, big screen debut. And he is the uh, coolest villain in the entire Avengers canon. His whole deal is that he is a mercenary with a magic brain that can instantly memorize and counter any fighting style he encounters. And because of his interactions with the Avengers, that means he has adopted the swordsman's sword fighting abilities. And he can fight with a cool shield like Captain America. And he's an expert archer like Hawkeye. And so he combines all of these incredibly silly, not quite superpower skill sets into a single villain. And he's got a cool skull face. And because of his mercenary nature, I don't think in the trailers, it looks like he's just some brainwashed goon that's like, they're just, he'll be like the, the shark, the, the, the dragon, the, the lancer, you know, just the big physical threat in the movie. But one of the great things about his character is his mercenary nature. So like half the taskmaster fights end with just the hero going, fuck, listen, man, I, this is going to take me all day to try and find a way to beat you. You're so fucking rad. Uh, how much did the other guy pay you? Like 500 K I'll give you a million to just go home. And taskmaster just goes like, okay, cool. <laughs> and it's rad. That's a rad villain angle. And I
1: will be referring to him solely as Scolomania <coughs> for the entirety of his run in the MCU. That is what he will be called by me. One Holden McNeely. All right. Now, come on, punch yourself in your fucking dick. listener. <laughs> do it now. Do it hard. Make it work. I'm not getting rid of the bit. I know you said last time when I did the bit, you were like, please don't do the bit again. But I'm doing it again one last time. Punch yourself in your dick. If I don't see some blue dick pics coming in my feed uh, over the over the course of the week after the release of this episode, I'm going to be fucking mad. Uh, but I'm not mad about these final pull quotes I have from Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> about the character Black Widow. Jake, uh, before I read these quotes, do you have anything um, technical you wanted to get out there any, uh, from your findings and forgings upon the history of this character?
2: I did a very bad job conveying a lot of these ideas, <laughs> but a lot of my uh, you did great! research led me to uh, this I this book. Uh, it's available. You can get it for Kindle called uh, Marvel's Black Widow from Spy to Superhero. Essays on an Avenger with a very specific skill set edited by Sherry Jin Gin, didn't pronounce it right. Um, Lots of really good essays uh, that go over the character's history, what uh, the weird kind of symbolism in her movie appearances, uh, the track of feminism in American cinema and how it relates to Black Widow, like a lot of the imagery, like red rooms, chairs and mind control that has like shown up in a lot of her iconography. It's uh, even just how Joss Whedon kind of uh, expresses his own worldview world through this character. It's a very fascinating read. Lots of really good essays. If anything we talked about sparked your brain a little, definitely give it a read. Give it a thumb through. Highly recommend it.
1: All right, here you go. Scholar Johansson had a couple things to say to probably what I would guess an unfortunate-looking individual that writes for Collider. Uh, here, Here it is. Johansson said, I think this film in particular is very much reflective of what's going on in regards to the Time's Up movement and the hashtag Me movement. It would be such a miss if we didn't address that stuff, if this film didn't take that head on. I think particularly for Kate, uh, the director, it was so important for her to make a movie about women who are helping other women, who lift other women up out of a very difficult situation. So I'm interested to see if they really technically, like they specifically rather uh, address that stuff. It's going to be really interesting. That actually makes me more interesting to it, interested to see it. And here's Here's the last one about the evolution of the character, according to old Scarlet. When we see her in Iron Man 2, she's a caricature of the person, reacting to all the male characters. She's a leader and complicated when we see her in Captain America, the Winter Soldier. and in, in Avengers Endgame, she's a fully formed person. It's been progressive, and I'm proud of that. I think it's cool, and I'm glad that she's stuck with the character and what it seems really fought to make the character of human being. I think that's a really neat thing to watch. And I love that they have this initiative with female directors. Um, and apparently that's a studio-wide initiative. Like, that's happening, um, in fact, in multiple film studios right now. And it might be a little cynical. It might be a little just because of what the, you know, the current environment is. But it doesn't even matter. And The fact that they're opening the doors up for stuff like that. And the fact that they're looking at her treat the treatment of her character 10 years ago and saying that was a different time i think is a really cool thing and i look forward to these uh characters uh stories being developed even further in future marvel films at the same time i am exhausted from it mm. so i hope that <laughs> i hope that they come up with some interesting new formulas it's just a weird time right there's such a rebuilding season it's a good time for this movie to come out technically because it's just not up against other big you know superhero i
2: I mean, it's a good time financially. A lot of people argue that the Black Widow solo movie should have happened eight years ago at this point. Sure.
1: But again, what I think, you know, Scarlett Johansson said exactly the same thing. Like that movie, I think, would have been kind of a fucking mess. And I think now that now that Captain Marvel's come out and I think that there's just been a very large restructuring of the treatment of female characters in these films um, hel- has helped it. But yeah, I mean I, that sort of stuff should have been cha- changing 10 years ago maybe is the better thing to say about it. But you know what? We're just a bunch of guys. Yes. <laughs> we're just wild and crazy. What are you gonna do? Alright, we're just a bunch of horny idiots. I mean, you don't know. I, I mean, uh, give us a
2: break you know what i mean we're, we're trying ourselves we're trying to get our through. dicks are thoroughly punched You're <laughs> <right>. <laughs> my penis
1: is so punched through dude i'm wrecked it's basically hamburger wrecked.
2: down there i'm not gonna lie it is
1: disgusting it is absolutely disgusting um and that is our episode on black widow thank you so much everybody for joining us we hope you enjoyed it this walk down memory lane uh another comic book character sealed in time and the pages of wizard and the bruiser Uh, If you want to support us further, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. $5 a month gets you weekly bonus content and also just helps to support us in a very simple, basic, loving, wonderful way. If you appreciate what we do, we we love to see new patrons, especially when they join the $15 tier because we actually get to meet you guys. Uh, We do a weekly Sunday study session on our Discord that you get access to through that Patreon tier. Uh, Please consider joining us on that. Every Sunday we... Hell, last Sunday we talked about Black Widow. Uh, If it's a movie, we'll watch it. If it's a game, we'll play it and just hang out on a Sunday for a little while. And uh, we greatly appreciate getting to meet more members of the community. Check me out on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Ho. Monday, Tuesday, Friday streams. Oh my God, too. Do we have some exciting new streaming content coming your way? (laughs) Jake!
2: I broke. I broke down. It finally happened. Your boy Jake (laughs) is a VTuber. That's right. (laughs) Virtual YouTuber. Uh, roaring from my past at college humor in Dorkley, I brought back the character Jared. Uh, I've been streaming games, old cartoons. I've been doing karaoke. Uh, all you gotta do is uh, give a subscription over at youtube.com/ puppetjared. Jared. Uh, follow me on Twitter there at puppetjared. And uh, hopefully you come say hi. I love it when a Wizard and the Bruiser listener pops in and lets themselves be known.
1: Always a blast on my stream as well. It just makes my week, and it happens weekly at this point, I feel like, and I just love it. I'm an
2: angry little purple puppet man, (laughs) and I'm here to entertain you. Uh, That's YouTube.com slash Puppet Jared. Love it. And... uh, I, yeah, it'll be fun. Also, follow me on normal Twitter, at Best Jake Young, to read all my thoughts and plops and get uh, clued into fascinating bits of research from the week's episode.
1: Twitter is never normal, but uh, <laughs> yes, definitely check it out. Hey, and I'll tell you what, always remember, never stop bruising.
2: And keep on whizzing.
1: This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to
0: lastpodcastnetwork.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks...